Welcome everyone to the Punisher podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. You mother scratcher. The Punisher podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 211, The Abyss, is sponsored by Hospital Hobo Clowns, still more socially acceptable than a foot fetish. The scariest thing shown in this episode? Was it the clown? I don't know. Pete, here we are starting our last week of Talking Punisher Season 2 episodes. Of course, next week we will be doing a Season 2 wrap. Maybe not right away. You know, give it, give it a couple days, let it breathe. So certainly start to share your final thoughts for the season, dear listeners, as we uh, enter the final stretch here and then look ahead to wrapping up the season. Yeah, Star Trek Discovery, God Frenemy coming back any moment now, Matt. Actually, it may have come on while we're doing this. Jessica Jones uh, slated to pop on uh, Netflix. Could happen without a warning. Um, But take us to the recap. Frank Castle is bleeding and in an ambulance. He's a mess and Brett Mahoney is riding along too. At the hospital, staff works on him while Mahoney ensures the cuffs stay on. The credit show of the episode is written by Laura Jean Leal in her first writing credit and directed by Mira Menon, veteran of Man in the High Castle, Fear the Walking Dead, The Walking Dead, Glow, and more. In Amy's trailer, Curtis arrives with news about Frank. He's short on details, so Amy flips the dial on the radio, finding out the Punisher is at Sacred Saints Hospital. Amy wants to help. Curtis says he's done. He showers, coming out to find Amy gone. In Pilgrim's hotel room, he awakens worse for wear, his phone ringing. He calls home, but Eliza Schultz answers. Everyone is so worried. Rebecca, too. Eliza looks out the window. A hearse is leaving. A short while later, in the hotel room, there's a knock at the door. It's Eliza, who apparently sprinted from Ohio to New York. She shares the news of Pilgrim's wife's passing and that Pilgrim is to fight for the right kind of future. He's being tested like Abraham of old, a final test of his faith. She talks Abraham's family's prosperity and walks out. At the hospital, Karen Page from Nelson and Murdoch is there. She can buzz off, though she cites the Constitution and Officer Smith's reluctance to give Frank Castle due process. That gets her into the room where she sees Frank, scarred and sleeping. He wakes, foggy, and suggests that she just walk away. He is racked with guilt over killing three women at the warehouse and for the loss of his family. Also at the hospital, Amy has snuck in, stealing a nurse's uniform. She gets the okay from PD to go see him. Amy and Karen meet, with Amy trying to spring him while sharing that there's a bounty on their heads. At the warehouse, Madani enters with Mahoney, taking a victory lap of sorts. All of this is pinned on Frank Castle from Mahoney's eyes, including the three dead women. That this was also a trap for Frank is of lesser concern. As for Madani, she feels sick and awful, but talks Mahoney into letting her see Frank at the hospital. That leads to Madani joining the ladies in the hospital room, too. She's not wheeling him out, and she takes a call. It's Billy who says he sees them. Billy rejoices in Frank being caged, feeling like a walking death. Billy declares victory. At Dumont's apartment, he hangs up and pops a pill. Still, he feels hollow. Dumont is surprised that, 
after she gave him everything, he isn't ready to move on with her. He guilts her on her involvement and then reels her back in with a kiss. He questions her about her scars, about their truth, and reminds her again that she helped kill three women. She says she loved him and loved another man once, her father, a Vietnam vet. After two tours of duty, he struggled. He yelled, he cried, and he jumped out of the window with her. He died, she lived. Back at the hospital, Amy sneaks out of the hospital room while Madani and Karen step aside to talk. The agent hopes that there's proof Frank didn't kill the women. Karen will take a look. But how? Karen goes to see Ed in the medical examiner's office and turns in a favor. Ed's on board and lets the ladies inspect the bodies. The women were shot in very close range by someone standing in front of them. Upon Frank's floor, the new cop is on duty there, except he's got there to collect the $5 million bounty and get revenge for Frank's killing of the Irish. The bad cop has a needle, and Frank's ready for it, but Amy attacks. Madani isn't far behind, downing the attacker. Karen's not far behind, telling them that he didn't kill the women. Karen and Frank talk in private. Matt Murdock doesn't know she's here, and she shouldn't throw away her future over Frank. Karen wonders if there's a better way. She uncuffs him while Frank tells her to walk away. Amy returns, happy about the heart to heart, but wanting them to all leave. We see Pilgrim arriving at the hospital while, intercut, Karen is smashing fire alarms. Mahoney orders a patrolman to watch Castle's gurney, but we see that Frank is wearing the dirty cop's uniform, sneaking down the back stairs with Madani. Pilgrim finds an empty room as Amy sneaks by. Karen tries to sneak by, but Mahoney sees her shoeless. We see the creepy Ed has those shoes. Outside the hospital, Frank and Madani are in the clear until Mahoney corners them, gun drawn. Mahoney gets a cuff on Frank, the other inside the ambulance. He promises Madani will fry for this. Then Mahoney gets in the ambulance and drives off to end the episode. Pete, let's talk villains in this episode. You know, it wouldn't be an episode if we didn't start with Billy. We get it. The guy hangs out with Dumont and plans the destruction of Frank Castle. But Matt, you know, Willy Wonka taught me, what do you do when you get everything you ever wanted? Uh, well, I know in Billy's case, you end up not happy and kind of guilting your emotionally uh, vulnerable lady friend into a kind of zigzag back and forth of, Hey, you kill, You helped kill three women. Also, I love you. You murderer. I can't wait to live with you forever, murderer. Tell me how you got your scars, murderer. Let me uh, touch them uh, after the act when there's the cooldown period and the, you know, start acting like civilized people, not sensual beings. I... Can we agree Billy is the worst type of man uh yes i would i would say so in that pete there are worse villains in marvel there are worse villains in fiction there are worse villains in the real life uh but many of those villains believe in the larger nature uh of what they want to do we don't see that with billy it has been stated time and time again in the show 
uh, as well as I'm sure in our discussions, that he is just self-centered. He's all about himself. And it's almost more offensive to see him in this episode manipulating Dumont, who I think we have, you know, we, the audience have no love lost for. She's complicit in a lot of, uh, in a lot of this to, to at least a certain degree, but for him to be twisting her, it's almost worse than I'm going to go, you know, rob, uh, the drug dealer and shoot the drug dealer, you know, certainly within the context of the narrative, it feels worse. It does for someone who would have that training to be able to identify a narcissist and to be able to deal with it. Um, that the handsome scarred man who is very manly and an alpha male, uh, has twisted her into the shell of a professional. She was, uh, certainly shows his, power and persuasiveness um but all the more showcases what a jerk he is he is i will say he has one thing going for him the uh the scenes that he has in dumont's apartment i don't know whether it is a tweak to the makeup or a tweak to the lighting he's receiving or a tweak to the coloring of the scene that's also called color timing because back in the day things with vats of chemicals and timing and such but there's a slight very slight yellowing in the image and it makes it for me his scars um be highlighted in a way that i had not fully appreciated appreciated them before it's almost like they go along the lines of the skull presenting him in a more skull-like vision and pete i faithfully watched every episode pen and paper in hand and it was like for the first time i'm like oh the scars are a skull he is a skull face i get it now yeah um i had picked up on the slightest bit of movement of his scars and again that the guy's got to sit in a chair every day and and have that done you know as dedicated as the makeup people can be and they go really far into you know i remember watching documentaries about how Jadzia Dax, the trill, had her, uh, you know, markings put on um, for seven seasons, six seasons of uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Um, So it's not easy and it's super time consuming. At the same time, it's to give off the, the fragmented nature of his psyche and you know, that he's been put back together here and still not put back together correctly. And it does make me wonder how much of that is to, uh, you know, is, is blamed to be laid at the feet of Dumont, A, primarily in her position as a healer. Uh, then you add all the sins that we've discussed in prior episodes, how ethically, if not legally, you know, harboring a fugitive and when to break uh uh, patient confidentiality and things of that sort we get in this episode her secret backstory something we've been discussing a fair amount lately across a couple different shows um this notion of her father the veteran uh whose uh compromised state resulted in her uh her pretty catastrophic injury at age nine i appreciate the sadness of her backstory i don't know that I don't know that within this story, real world, okay, maybe different. Within this story, I don't know that it lets me excuse 
her from the great degree of involvement that she's had. It doesn't wipe away the bad that she's done. Um, that she survived such a heinous act um, only to be twisted and taken down by Billy makes it all the more tragic. And, you know, tragedy is very often misunderstood, particularly in the West, Matt. Um, Tragedy involves a personal flaw. And whether it was the hubris of thinking that she could fix Billy or uh, maybe even more base that, you know, she was uh, she was seduced by his manly wiles, whatever it is, she's been undone here and it makes the survivor's story that much more pathetic. Or even the hubris that she thinks she is healed. You know, I, I think uh, Pete, if we had Counselor Troy here, she'd say, you know what? No one is ever completely healed. You should always be just as you're on your lookout to make sure that you are maintaining physical health and being proactive you know, with vitamin C or whatever it is, what are you doing to be proactive in terms of your mental health and to be aware of blind spots and things of that sort? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a reason Dumont... Pete, consider this. Dumont is second on the list. She comes before Pilgrim. Pilgrim, who you know, has killed many, many people on screen, albeit not in this episode, but has killed a lot of people. We seem to be putting Dumont at some level morally worse than him. Well, in fairness, it's because I note these chronologically throughout an episode. <laughs> well, true, but I think I think that, and look again, it does also help that his angst in this episode is largely internal and not, you know, against the guy's teeth. Um, but I think there's something to be said. You know, this is an episode where we don't get a ton of kind of new pilgrim stuff, other than the, the sad passing of his wife. Um, and perhaps a, a better understanding of maybe how he's being manipulated by the Schultzes. But what we do get from Pilgrim here, I think, is a lot of sympathy. Uh, I hope most of us, if not all of us, have not had the kind of night that Pilgrim had last episode. But I think we all know what it's like to wake up in the morning, not even from excess of party or whatever it might be, but just to wake up in the morning and go, yeah, I made a bad decision and I need to figure out how to, how to fix this and get back on track. Um, so I think there's a ton of sympathy there for him. Again, even as Eliza shows up, I'm continuing with the idea that Eliza doesn't believe all the chapter and verse stuff that she preaches. I think she's yeah. saying it to somebody who's ready, ready to scoop it up and go act. Been indoctrinated, really, as a, as a last resort. Um, I mean, listen, what has happened to him that his wife died while he was on this bender uh murdering people uh drinking doing drugs pulling their teeth out of his head um and that he had visions of her uh hauntingly um in and out of consciousness as he was recovering. And and now that she's gone, the guilt he must feel and the inability in his condition without a support system, uh, back in a place he found the most trouble in his life, uh, is, is certainly concerning. He's not a likable character. We find very little, if nothing at all, redeemable 
in him, even the family life stuff came across as unsavory in the way it was presented. Okay. So he had a sick wife, um, didn't dote on her so much as went to her to say that he had to leave, um, and said his children's names. That's, that's about the extent we have of him as a, as a father and a, and a husband. Um, and then you bring in this influence. I, I thought it very interesting that Eliza Schultz was the one to come and see him. Uh, I almost thought for certain uh, it would be the husband. And uh, you had reached out via text. You know, how, how long would it take for somebody with with means to get from Ohio to New York City and I'm, I'm doing the mental gymnastics of, all right, private plane, fuel it up. Let's assume it's on call, uh, air traffic control. I said an hour 45 conservatively. Um, and she shows up and it's, you know, like you said, you see the lack of conviction, um, not to mention the gigantic vein on the side of the actress's face pete to me that just shows how emotionally invested annette o'toole was in the scene i will accept that uh, she you know presented here as one of the super rich a a brother's coke type if you will um could you know easily get into the plane not wait for the two hours to get to the airport and get security blah 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 so fine she gets to new york in two two and a half maybe three hours if you count landing and getting to whatever terrible hotel um pilgrim is in um just to 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 see in that scene you know this real close to the bible interpretation that she has he's being tested like abraham this is the final test i mean think about it pete we all we all have reached the end of our ropes with this struggle or that whatever it might be but it's it's always a little bit better when somebody says you're almost done you know mm -hmm. all this work if you you're five pages to go then you're done with the last paper you have to write for this college class you know whatever it is you kind of go yeah i'm in the home stretch um and pete the fact that she delivers that while remaining kind of on the floor he stands up and she's kind of looking up at him it's almost shot awkwardly but I think it's not awkward. If anything, the way I read it is she is appealing to his traditional sense. Here she is, woman prostrate on the uh, on the ground near bowing to him, you know, while she's in control of the entire situation, I might add. But how's he reading it? He's reading it as a woman of old, you know, showing him the respect, telling him he needs to do all this and and be prosperous just as Abraham's family you know would would go on to be prosperous even with these difficulties she's not in it much pete it's a very powerful scene i don't know if i buy it um i don't know that i buy his acceptance of it and i think on camera i have the backup evidence of him throwing the the stuff around at a later time uh obviously upset um, and I think the real thing we have to, I mean, look, listen, the way they block the scene, he finally gets through to him. It's very, when they show us the bed, it's going to be 
empty or uh, Rebecca is going to be dead in it. And then, you know, they show us the hearse. Um, did she do it? Did she kill Rebecca? I don't think she killed Rebecca. I think Rebecca was in her, was in her final days. Um, I think Pete story wise, the decision in the writer's room was made, Hey, we need to give Pilgrim a little oomph at the end. So it's going to be coincidentally her death. Um, I wouldn't rule out the possibility that there's some reveal, you know, and twas I who took her life. But I think that it, I think it was the writer writer's room that killed her. And Pete, as to the earlier topic of Pilgrim, not, you know, it's a, it's perhaps a bit much that Pilgrim would buy it. All I'll say is this, Pete, bring a little real world into it. Okay. We had a story last week of a prison in the New York City area that had been without power for several days in, in freezing temperatures. And, you know, Pete, there's, there's some real faithful people saying, oh, well, those people got what they deserved. Um, you know, Pete, there's a book that literally has the line, uh, I was in prison and you came to see me. That's the Bible, Pete. So I think that it, to me, it's not that difficult to see a little cognitive dissonance out of Pilgrim and perhaps some people who might think along Pilgrim similar lines of, I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to make an, an Abrahamic uh, prosperity for my family by, you know, killing a whole bunch of people. In Kentucky as well, there were uh, other houses of worship that were uh, vandalized with Christian graffiti. I mean, do you even Bible, bro? Pete, let's talk somebody who I think we can objectively agree is a bad egg. I'm talking about the bad cop representing the Irish there. Um, I think it would have been easier to have him be a cop in fake uniform, uh, or rather to say a person in a fake cop uniform. I think that there still maybe is that possibility as an interpretation. And I'm thinking of, uh, of our pal Robert T. Frost, who uh, has taken exception to the, the well-worn trope of the bad police officer. Um, but Pete, he's doing a bad thing. This is not to protect and serve when you say, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to get me this bounty and I'm going to, I'm going to take your life with this hypodermic needle. This guy was clearly a cop, uh, that he was recognized by the other police officer who had let Amy in before, uh, charmed by her feminine wiles. But, um, you know, I, I almost wondered the same thing as you. Is this somebody that got a hold of a uniform? Um, but it's not. The thing I appreciate about the depiction is we know from the moment we see this guy because of the cockeyed smile, he is going to harm Frank. And uh, to me, the remarkable thing about that scene was Frank is ready. He's ready for, you know, th this is justice. It might not be the justice law of man, justice NYPD, you know, justice is blind kind of justice. This is a larger justice that the time has come for Frank to pay for his sins in taking the lives of people, albeit bad people. Uh, and he's ready for it. He's ready for the out that does not come in, in what to me was a super powerful moment. Let's talk about some theories, Matt. Frank asks it a little later on. Um, but we have Nelson and Murdoch name checked, you know, 
they of the now canceled three season opus Daredevil uh, and reminding us that Karen is back with them after her meteoric rise as a uh, New York bulletin journalist and columnist. But that Frank asks her, does, does that Murdoch know he's good? Makes it all the more sad. We don't have the daredevil anymore. It does. I mean, obviously when it was written, it was an excuse to not have the other two cameo in this episode. Um, I think rightfully so. I mean, the Karen Page Frank Castle connection superseding uh, his connection with the other characters from Daredevil. But um, yeah, to kind of get this, to get this message from beyond to the TV grave, if you will, that they're still out there, Pete. They're still Nelson and Murdoching. Um, maybe the only thing that doesn't land perfectly is that when she name drops uh, to the police officer, it's not Nelson and Murdoch and Page. Um, you know, or that that isn't somehow referenced by it, 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 that little extra reference would have been nice, but I get for a variety of reasons, including just story efficiency, um, why that doesn't come up. But yeah, I mean, this is the episode where where uh, Deborah Ann Wall went on Twitter, made her made her goodbyes to the character, and uh, it's it's quite a moment, small as it is. And sad, and you really kind of feel the sense of finality given the actress's public handling of it. Um, you know, a, a character she's inhabited for, you know, close to four and a half, five years at this point. Um, and uh, fairly exclusively, I know she was just in. Um, the uh, the escape room film, which has done well and, you know, certainly wish her luck. You consider how much of her career has been, um, you know, True Blood and, and Daredevil and, you know, a couple shots on uh, Punisher here. Did she show up in um, – I don't think she showed up on uh, Jessica Jones. But um, moving along, Matt, let's talk about uh, apparently no forensic – whatsoever uh evidence or testing or what have you done on the three women uh, oh you got these these three women who were dead uh, castle must have done it i mean look pete it's 2019 the csi effect is probably passe at this point the the sun having set on those series of shows but that is to say the expectation of as soon as you get evidence, you do a montage with cool music late at night with neon in Las Vegas. And then 60 seconds later, 30 seconds later, you go, I got news, boss. Our shooter didn't do it. Cut to credits. Um, you know, that's well behind us. But, okay, it takes anybody with the minimal training in criminalistics to look at the bodies and say they were shot in a manner not entirely fitting with what we're seeing i mean i guess they found him here's the out pete they found him in the office with the women so he was close up but you know i mean uh, pete are there any shells in the room i mean not necessarily the ones that got him etc etc it, it, it's certainly sloppy um and worse is the sloppiness i think that it's it's this magic fix them all that like wait Maybe we can 
get this solved. Wait, we did solve it. Wait, Frank, guilt button to off. No guilt for you. You did not do it. What? I didn't? No, you didn't. Okay, guilt over. <laughs> it, it is a little convenient, um, but I just kept coming back to uh, the, the forensics. I mean, so many crimes are so overly reliant now upon fingerprint, DNA, all this other evidence, and, and they should be in a facts-based world. Um, in, in our fictional world that uh, means to mirror as effectively as possible our real world, okay, is, is there some sleight of hand and writerly flourish? There certainly is. Um, I think it would have been hard to be in the writer's room for these discussions of, but Frank didn't kill them. We know Frank didn't kill them. Ah, Billy and his buddies did this and it's, it's, it's a setup and they'll take the shells, but they forgot that, you know, the impact, the, the blasts on the bodies, uh, would be inconsistent and relatively poked apart. I mean, I, I guess it works here, but it just feels sloppy. Well, Pete, I think that circles us back to some unfortunately familiar territory, which is, you know, is this a less than 13 episode season that has been stretched to a 13 episode season? I increasingly feel like the answer is yes. I do as well. Um, the season as a whole has not been as good as the original season. Um, I think there have been decent things in all, but one episode we've talked about thus far, um, edited down into 10, perhaps we would have really been talking about a, a totter season, Matt, which brings me to Mahoney's crazy plan. I feel like the story is certainly setting up Mahoney as the hometown hero here. Um, and I welcome that. I think that in what may be his final turn, I mean, maybe he shows up in Jessica Jones, but this is certainly kind of the most Mahoney being a cop that we've gotten in the number of seasons he's been in across these different shows. Um, there hasn't been a Mahoney this freewheeling Matt since police Academy. Oh man. So true. Mahoney. Um, so yeah, I think we're, we're meant to nominally be left with the sense that things are out of control at the end of the episode. That's it's leading up to some sort of, you know, great use of the Punisher and blah, blah, blah for the, uh, the penultimate episode next time. Um, to me though, Pete, I return to a question that we discussed an episode or two ago. I feel like, you know, we're, we're going to get the Billy Frank showdown. Okay, clearly it's one of, in one of the next two episodes. Okay, fine. But we're going to get that closer to the end than maybe I personally would have needed because in my mind, we still need to get Schultz resolution. And I'm increasingly worried that instead they're just going to be 
they will have been the force that made Pilgrim be the number two bad guy for the season, which kind of in retrospect will have been the bad guy when they weren't doing Billy stuff because the Billy stuff was 12 or 13 episodes, but earlier it was only six episodes and they needed to pad it out. Um, as opposed to two episodes with the Schultzes, a bunch of Billy stuff in the middle, and then you spend the last couple episodes really delving into them. I feel like that plane is getting waved off and it's going to be, and sometimes there's bad people in charge and trying to buy things. Money Schultz's Punisher season three. Yeah. It's not completely coalesced at this point. I think there's an opportunity to pull it out uh, from the fire here. Um, What they've done with Pilgrim has been an interesting direction to take it one that I'd like to think I saw coming. I did not see his bottoming out, um, which I've found really compelling layered on top of that, the wife's loss. And now the biblical browbeating he's been given at the hands of the less domineering, uh, Schultz. I'm interested to see response here and that he, that he, you know, fronted back on her about the children being threatened. Um, I mean, if that's not going to be a situation where they're going to turn on one another, I don't know where it's going. Well, Pete, maybe that's where things are headed. Maybe that's the solution to, but there's all this Schultz stuff and there's all this Pilgrim stuff. Maybe you've just written the penultimate episode and then the final episode is going to be the showdown of billy and frank that we've been waiting for since before we knew it was a thing back when the carousel shooting originally happened prior to daredevil season two we shall find out pete i know one thing though this podcast shall live forever perhaps dare a uh, daredevil we know will not jessica jones likely canceled luke cage iron fist Dunsey's Defenders always was going to be one season unless it was a hit and probably Punisher Pete April 7th or 8th is seems to be around when that's going to get canceled tier tier but our podcast will be out there forever because the people who support us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek yes we have our own Schultz's Matt and they go to patreon.com slash fantastic geek Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content, and there is oodles for you to check out. You determine the amount of the contribution. You help us do this thing of ours. Always appreciated, Pete. So is talking to you on Twitter. How can people do so? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 10,339 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, on Instagram, on Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word, like it today. Pete, we will be back on Wednesday to talk the penultimate episode of Punisher Season 2. With that, I will say adios to all the listeners and give you the final word. You can't keep loving people in your dreams. 